This is Choni's Circle. I'm Tamara Lubicki. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose. And on Choni's Circle, we are going to explore Jewish texts from the Torah through the Talmud and lots of traditional commentaries to grapple with climate change to help us process our emotions about climate change and about this particular moment um, and to help us try to make sense of the world that we find ourselves in. In this episode, we are going to be picking up towards the end of the book of Jonah, where we left off from our last episode. So in case you missed that one, we're near the beginning of the fourth chapter of Jonah. So Jonah has finally successfully made it to the city of Nineveh, told them that God was going to destroy the city, and then led by the king, the people do repentance, God forgives them. And Jonah is upset about that and says that he knew that God was going to forgive them because God is a compassionate and forgiving God. But that reality somehow greatly displeases him. And that's where we left him at the end of the story with God asking him, are you that deeply grieved? Sort of questioning that emotional response on Jonah's part. And then we'll pick up now with Jonah chapter four, verse five. Now Jonah had left the city and found a place east of the city. He made a booth there, Sukkah, and sat under it in the shade until he could see what happened to the city. The eternal God provided a gourd, which grew over Jonah, to provide shade for his head and save him from discomfort. Jonah was very happy about the plant. But the next day at dawn, God provided a worm, which attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a sultry east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head and he became faint. He begged for death, saying, I would rather die than live. Then God said to Jonah, are you so deeply grieved about the plant? Yes, he replied, so deeply that I want to die. Then God said, you cared about the plant, which you did not work for and which you did not grow, which overnight appeared and perished overnight. And should not I care about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not yet know their right hand from their left and many animals as well. And that's the end of the book of Jonah. And that's the end of the book of Jonah. It's kind of a weird ending. There are a lot of things about the book that are kind of weird. (laughs) Yeah. I'll start by saying I think it's kind of striking that he... I mean, it's not at all striking to me that he leaves the city. It's pretty clear that he kind of wants nothing to do with Nineveh. The whole story is about him avoiding going. So it's not so surprising to me that he leaves as soon as his work is done. It is somewhat striking to me the way that nature comes into this story pretty quickly. A lot of the story seems to be a pretty urban story, right? Like Nineveh is repeatedly spoken about as a big city. It takes a long time to walk across. There are a lot of people and animals in it. And so there's something interesting about him removing himself into a more rural space. I also think it's kind of striking that he leaves to go see what's going to happen to the city. It almost feels like Really, like at this point, we know nothing's going to happen to the city. The text already told us. God forgave them. Nothing's right. going to happen. But it it sort of seems like there's like an echo. Avraham watching the destruction of Stom and Amorah. Like it almost feels like he's like waiting, hoping maybe God is going to change God's mind. Maybe in the end, 
the city is going to be destroyed? Like, are they going to continue on their new path? Are they going to slide back into their wicked ways? I don't know. I just, there's something like really interesting to me about the way that he sort of retreats away from the people, but is still like kind of invested in what's going to happen to them. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I've never thought of it as a parallel to Sodom and Amorah standing and watching that. So that is very interesting. But this, nothing happens. And then it becomes much more of a personal drama. Yeah. And we see that Jonah is a person of very large emotions. Yeah. So he becomes happy. He loves this plant and becomes so happy about this plant. And then it's destroyed and... He goes back into this place of, it's better that I die than live now. Which, like, strikingly is, like, the place that he was just a few verses earlier, because (laughs) he was ready to die over the fact that the people of Nineveh repented, and then he's, like, brought to great joy, and then very quickly, again, to despair. Right. I also think it's really interesting that I remember, actually... I was a very nerdy middle schooler, but I remember drawing a diagram of this as a middle schooler because I was like, this doesn't make sense, and it made me angry. That Jonah doesn't seem to need the plant. Right. He has already created for himself a sukkah and is sitting underneath it in the shade. So he seems to have the protection from the sun that he needs. And then God provides this extra plant that grows above him and seems to provide more shade and more cooling. And... Jonah's, like, very happy about that. And then the next day it's gone. And it's not clear, like, what happened to the sukkah. Once there was more effective shade, did he get rid of the sukkah? Or, like, is the sukkah actually still there? He still has some shade. But the difference between what he used to have with the gourd and what he has now is, like, so striking that now the sukkah feels insufficient. I don't know. But I think there's something, like really interesting going on there about like Jonah creating his own shade. Right. But then also being dependent on shade that's provided from God. Right. Which could be a metaphor for our own interactions with nature. As we've said before on this podcast, we think that we've created it all and we've created the system that keeps us alive, but it's actually nature that keeps us alive. And as this story, when we see the absence or the abnormality of nature and the natural world, that's when we recognize that that's really what's keeping us going, what's keeping us alive. It's not a direct parallel to this metaphor, but it's true. Like when I read this story, I was thinking about the initiative that a lot of cities around the world and in the United States are trying to start now, which is planting a lot more trees in urban places. Which again comes back to the Jonah story because even (laughs) thousands of years ago, there was this divide between the urban and the natural. But to go back to the trees, so there's this initiative to plant lots and lots of trees in urban areas because what they've found is when urban areas have trees, they can be like up to 10 degrees cooler, Fahrenheit cooler, because of just not only the shade, but also like the water cycling properties of the trees, and that that can provide a lot of comfort and sometimes even save lives in urban areas. So there's actually a lot of parallels to the story, this idea of the sun beating down and this hot wind blowing through is increasingly the reality with our new climate is these extreme temperatures that can be 
pretty deadly specifically in urban places. Building on that, I think it's really striking that Jonah's man-made shade structure, his sukkah, doesn't have those properties. And like how much have we sort of done that to ourselves too? Like we create built environments, which in some ways provide a lot of protection from the natural elements, but also can't do everything that trees can do. And so we actually need both. And I think like maybe that's part of what Jonah discovers with the gourd is that there are other properties there that help increase his comfort more than his little hut does. Yeah. And we had talked about in the last episode where the people of Nineveh had to actually physically feel the imminent destruction so that they would repent. And I guess Jonah has to feel the destruction himself. For him, it's not even enough to observe the people doing it or imagine that they could be destroyed. God is like, now you have to experience what it is to suffer for you to really understand it, because I sense that you're not really getting it. (laughs) Yeah, and I actually kind of love that in some ways it feels like the message of the book is to care more, Mm -hmm. right? Like a few times, right, God is like, are you really so worked up about this? Do you really care that the people did repentance and I didn't destroy them? Do you really care about this plan? What are all of these things that you seem to have very strong negative reactions to? But then ultimately the answer is, yeah, you really cared about this plant that only existed for a day and that you didn't do anything for. And like all the more so, I care about all of these people and animals in Nineveh, right? Like the moral of the story is not, you shouldn't care about those things. It's, yes, you care about those things that are actually small. So like how much more so do we have an obligation to care about things that are more significant and more durable? And I think that there's something like kind of beautiful about that turn that it's not like no Jonah the things that you were worried about don't matter it's like yes those things they also matter but there are also bigger things that matter and I don't know I think this like gives us permission like I think sometimes as we think about climate change sometimes some of the smaller losses feel like they should be insignificant in the face of the bigger ones and This reminds us to be like, no, actually cities that are too hot that we can fix by planting some trees, that matters too. I think there's something empowering about that. Yeah, definitely. But I also think there's an opposite message, which is you're not changing your oven from gas to induction because you really like roasting your peppers on an open flame. (laughs) Can you bring that same care and desire and Mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. if I make this change how many people will be able to eat not like a tiny change has a huge effect but like participating in a movement that will create a large effect imagine someone in a third world country who would have to migrate because their farmland no longer produces food imagine them eating a lot of good food Maybe your desire to roast your pepper over an open flame. Right. Maybe there's a reminder here to, to scale the things that we feel really strongly about. How can we how can we keep things in perspective and be really upset or really overjoyed about the big things? Right. Um, yeah, and then like use that as a way to help us prioritize and make choices. Right. I mean, 
this is like a constant human struggle, right? Mm -hmm. Like this idea of we care so much about the things that are in our close proximity. Yeah. And we have trouble caring or motivating ourselves for like the larger and larger proximities. And yeah, it's just so interesting that like Jonah loves this plant so much <laughs> and God is like, how about me? Yeah. <laughs> I love humanity so much. Yeah. And God's calling on Jonah to access that depth of feeling and then redirect. Right. <laughs> Right. It's like, good, I want you to really care about this plant because I want you to know what it is to really care about something. Mm -hmm. Now, instead of really caring about this plant, care about people. <laughs> right. right. And care about animals. And so care that's about animals. like, that's, that's yep. an interesting thing about the book of Jonah is that it keeps bringing animals into the realm of beings we should care about. Yeah. Yeah. They're very much part of the ecosystem of Nineveh. Right. They're inhabitants of the city, too. Yeah, I thought maybe I would go back to the part that you mentioned earlier about Jonah leaving the city and going out into nature. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that in an earlier podcast, I believe, with Elijah, mm -hmm. how he has to like go into nature to have this revelation. And Jonah goes into nature to have a revelation also. It's like a much snarkier revelation, yeah. <laughs> but it's very profound, right? Yeah. And what is it about being able to go into nature? We see two sides of the coin, I think, with Jonah. He gets to have this more universal view. He gets to see the city, this three days walk city. He can overlook it from the outside. So there's something I think about going out into nature where you can step out of the middle of something and see it from different angles then. But he also seems to like get much more appreciation for nature and much more in touch with nature. Mm -hmm. So like in this story, it's more of like a metaphor for like needing to love humanity and being in touch with humanity. But the hope is if you can really be in touch with nature, as I've said in an earlier podcast, maybe you can fight for it a little more. Yeah, and I wonder what that nature is for Jonah. Is it purely practical, right, that he's leaving so that he can have a better perspective, that he can see the city better, and like maybe even in his imagination so that he can watch its impending destruction um, <laughs> when they go back to their wicked ways, right, which I think is maybe, I don't know, does he imagine that that's gonna happen? He might. Is it about a space for him to find solace and comfort after this like frustrating experience that didn't go the way that he wanted it to? Is it a place that can like hold his anger, mm. right? Like where he can just lash out safely. Mm. Is it a place of depression for him, right? That he's like in this bad place and he just doesn't want to be with people and is like running away, which... He is a runawayer, so, um, <laughs> so that's potentially possible, too. But I just think it's interesting, right? We see what happens, which is, like, this profound connection with the natural world that happens when he's out there. But, like, what is he looking for? I don't know. Is that is that what he's looking for? Is he hoping that, that nature is going to do something else for him? Or is he just looking to get away from people? I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that you brought up we can go to nature with a variety of different desires with a variety of different emotions. Yeah. 
I'm Rabbi Paula Rose, the Associate Rabbi of Congregation Beth Shalom in Seattle. This podcast is a project of Congregation Beth Shalom and Ahavat Ve'avodat Adama, our community's environmental group. Choni's Circle was recorded in Seattle, Washington at Full Track Productions. It was produced by Tamara Labicki and Dave Dintenfass. With original music by Ella Labicki Feldman. Thanks for listening and learning with us.